Welcome back, everybody, to the Rising Action Podcast. I am one of your lovely hosts, Josh, and through the power of the internet, we've got one of my good buddies, uh, somebody that you will have heard his lovely voice before. We've got Seth joining oh the podcast today. Lovely oh voice, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You always have quite the introduction. (laughs) 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 I'll do my best to live up to the hype. (laughs) Yeah, no pressure. Uh, You can't mess it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So today, uh, I think, uh, not even I think, I'm very excited for this episode. Um, We're doing something that, you know, before recording, Seth and I were talking, and we were like, this is something that we've needed to do for a while, and somehow we just haven't. Uh, we're getting around to it now, but we are going to talk about our five favorite directors currently working. And whoop, whoop. Grayson isn't joining us. Uh, he's not giving us his big, big, sexy voice today, but... <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> he sent in uh, his five as well, so we'll go through those. And uh, I'm really excited about this because this is this is like the fun conversation starter kind of episode that we haven't necessarily done in a while, and it gets me all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a fun conversation starter if you're a giant movie nerd. Exactly. Which, Which we all is are. <laughs> what this podcast is all about, so I am here for it. Yeah. Yeah, even um, even my new nickname is just, if if you've seen a bunch of weird movies, you would know what it is. Yeah. Anyway, what is? We'll talk about that. What is? I think you want to talk about it. So Grayson (laughs) has been calling Josh this obscene nickname recently, (laughs) otherwise known as Piss Boy, and I want him to explain it to me because I'm not quite sure I understand the reference. So I'm pretty sure it's in Monty Python's Life of Brian. I'm not a hundred. It's a Monty Python movie. I don't know which one it is, but I think it's Life of Brian. Um, and there's this scene where these, I guess, lords or whatever have a piss boy that has a tin bucket. And whenever they call him over, <laughs> they piss in his tin bucket and he just carries around their pee in a bucket and they call him piss boy. And for whatever reason, Grayson called me best boy but I thought he said piss boy. And I was like, oh, I'm piss boy. And he was like, what? And I was like, it's Monty Python. And he was like, you have I been, love that. I'm calling you piss boy. You have been ceremoniously crowned piss boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't that know. Reminds I me of, uh, that reminds me of a story from when I was in high school. And it's along the same, the same track because. I, you a good you friend put of, people's pee in a tin bucket? No, too? no, no, not anywhere near that. <laughs> but I have a good friend named Evan, and uh, he's got a great sense of humor. But in high school, we realized that if you rearrange the letters in my name um, in a particular order, it comes out to being very similar to a um, an infamous word. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we would go around saying... Um, he would, he would, whenever he would beckon me, he would say, get over here, you little shit. <laughs> In whatever, you know, strong Southern drawl he could summon. Um, so here we have 
piss boy Josh Johnson and little Shet Seth. <laughs> <laughs> piss boy Josh Johnson and little Shet Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored to uh, claim that title as my own. Wow. Okay. Um, on that note, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over that. That's incredible. Uh, we're here to talk about our five favorite directors that are currently working. And by currently working, we defined it as they've released a movie within the last five years. We were kind of floozy. We said 2015. So I guess the last six years. I don't uh, know why yeah, six, I guess that. But... Yeah, we didn't do the math correctly. <laughs> no. That's, it's that's 2021 now. <laughs> no. We're not we mathematicians. We forgot that 2020 ever happened, and we just kind of wrote it off as yeah. never existing. And so we got an... Anyway, um, I'm going to just start us off with my number five. I want to um, hear it. Yeah. So my fifth favorite, quote-unquote, currently working director would be Greta Gerwig. Yes, dude. Surprising, <laughs> not surprising at all. She is also on my list. Oh, really? Yes, yes. So, director of Little Women, which is probably one of my favorite feel-good movies. Uh, Little Bird. Um, what else has she done? Just Lady Bird and Little Women. She only has two See, features. I thought, that, I thought that that was it, but those two are some of the best home runs that a director could have. Oh, I agree. She also wrote and starred in Noah Baumbach's uh, Francis Ha. Um, Noah Baumbach oh. is actually her partner in real life. Um, but she, so she I didn't wrote know that. the character. Yeah, I did not know that, but I saw news recently that her and Baumbach are working on another movie. Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah, and so my initial like nerd knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, freak, yes, Noah Baumbach writes such great dialogue. Greta Gerwig, such a great filmmaker. That movie totally. is going to be great. And then yeah. I realized that they were partners, and I had no clue at all. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, they're super cool. And, and Greta Gerwig's filmic language is just so amazing. Like, yeah. I love the way she... Um, like there's been so many different adaptations of the little women, um, book before in film and yes. her version is miles better than any other version that's come out. Um, and it has to do with the way she structures her story. I think she uses mm -hmm. like a bit of a nonlinear storyline to really emphasize the emotions of the tale. Yes. And I think for that, she's like a very gutsy filmmaker, like on her second feature, She's got two like perfect movies under her belt for me. Like Lady Bird and Little Women, I would say are like pitch perfect. Yeah, I I can't find anything wrong with either either one of them and I think that in terms of the indie scene, I don't know if you could necessarily say that Gerwig is an indie filmmaker. Um when Little Bird came out, it was released by A24. It it kind of had an indie feel to it. Um, so I guess you could say Lady Bird is an indie film, but it's probably one of the best indie films I've ever seen. Um, and I almost hesitate to even call it indie because, you know, it had such a 
powerhouse cast. Um, if you're getting Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet in like main character roles, granted it was, what was that, 2016 when it came out, 2017? Uh, somewhere around there, I think, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess you could argue it was before either one of them had truly broken out and become A-listers. Um, but it, regardless, th- that movie is perfect. Uh, the oh, yeah. tone, the um, the characters in that movie, and the dialogue are some of the best I've ever seen. Little Women, like I said, it's it's it feels really good. It's just fun to watch. It it makes you warm and fuzzy inside. And I think that's the the tone of Little Women, the novel as well. Um, and she yeah. was able to capture that really well and adapt it without changing much of anything. Which yeah, I loved. it's it's a very tragic story in a sense but it's also very romantic and she really gets a she really gets the point across um like with the main character joe she's very you know she's a very reticent character um when it comes to romance um and i love how she expresses that um desire to be you know independent in the film but she also gets the point across that like people need other people and like being in love is okay and it can be a wonderful thing, but it's also about the tragedy of lost love and lost family members, um, due to like pretty terrible circumstances. So it's just all around like a really, yeah, it's a really warm film, really warm story. And she does, it's a great Christmas movie. Okay. So my wife Maggie and I watch it I mean, it's only been out for two years now, but last Christmas we watched it and the Christmas before that we watched it. It's just such a good, cozy film, yeah. um, and I think Greta Gerwig just nails it as on the directing side. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> we'll pivot over here to Grayson. He sent me his top five, so I've got it with me. Bum, bum, just, bum. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. His number five, <laughs> and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but his number five is James Gunn. Ooh. I like and James Gunn. I like James Gunn, but if I were to pick five of my favorite directors currently working, I don't know if James Gunn would be in mine. And I really don't want to dunk on you, Grayson, but I, I cannot agree with that one. Now, he's not I here, went, so it's okay. I know. <laughs> he's going to listen to it, and he's going to be like, no, no, I love James Gunn, but I can't get behind <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, James Gunn has done uh, Brightburn, which I remember got really good reviews when it came out a couple years ago. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy films. I like and Guardians. Su- the Suicide Squad, which we liked, um, but it did have some issues. It was the reason that movie was quote unquote good was because it was a breath of a breath of fresh air in the genre, probably more than it was a great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I mean, I like James Gunn. I think he has a pretty unique style. I would, does. I would equate him to someone like um, Guy Ritchie, maybe. I think yeah. Guy Ritchie is a little bit more stylistic as far as his filmmaking approach. They have I similar like humor he, styles. I feel like he, Guy Ritchie, and Zack Snyder are all very on similar tiers. You know, Zack Snyder's in, another good one, yeah. Yeah, they're they're all good. They don't really... I mean, they they are prone to make the occasional clunker. Um, yeah. they're incredibly stylized in their own way, but I wouldn't say that they're amazing. Like they're good. I just don't particularly enjoy the stories that they choose to tell. Like, 
I think they're accomplished. Fil- I think they're all accomplished filmmakers, James Gunn included. I just don't particularly find myself being drawn to the sort of story that James Gunn wants to tell. And yeah. that's just a personal preference. I don't think that has anything to do with the actual merit of the director. But so I can see where Grayson's coming from because he's more of the comic booky kind of guy. Um, yeah. So and in that yeah. sense, James Gunn does a great job paying homage to the comics. Um, he he is faithful to the original comics in his stories, and um, he's able to kind of like expound further upon those characters in a really interesting way. Um, so he definitely has his own merits. I just, you know, if if I'm splitting hairs with some of the best directors working, <laughs> James yeah. Gunn just doesn't quite make it make it up yeah. to snuff for me. I'm I'm not there either. He's fine. All right, I think I, I want to hear your uh, your number four. I want to hear your number five. My number five. I'll put Greta Gerwig there. Okay. Just so, just so we're on the same page moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Greta Gerwig, number five for you. That's that's great. I like that it yeah. lined up like that. Yeah, I like that too. Um, number four for me. It's not probably going to be a sexy pick, but I love his movies. It's Robert Eggers. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, but I want to hear why. Okay. Um. Eggers is interesting, uh, and I think that his counterpart that I'm going to mention that he's on a similar level with is probably somebody you'd favor more, but I feel like he and David Lowry are in very similar spots where mm, okay. they make movies that are stories they want to tell. Um, Eggers certainly has his own very unique style. And, you know, when we talk about style, we don't necessarily mean style over substance, which can kind of conflate what I'm meaning here. Because typically when we say style, we're talking about like Zack Snyder's love of slow-mo or James Gunn's love of snippy characters. Robert Eggers' style is like changing film to film, but you can tell that it's the same throughout all of them. Where There's a consistent thread of... Uh, foreboding madness. <laughs> yes, and extreme historical faithfulness. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To the nth degree, which is really fascinating to watch. Um, I think if it were just The Witch, he would not be on this list. I thought The Witch was an awesome movie. Yeah. But I don't... I mean, it's great, but it's it's one of those, like... It, it wasn't my favorite movie. Let's put it that I'm in way. The, it, I'm in the same boat, yeah. I think the witch yeah. was. I think the witch was a really. Um, I, I almost said the word fun, and I realized <laughs> before I said that 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 is a ridiculous thing to coin. It was not movie fun as. at all. It's not a fun movie in the least. It is, however, a well-crafted horror film, um, yeah. with some good performances and good cinematography. You know all the all the elements of a good movie. Yeah. That being said, The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies ever made. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know why either, because I have watched that movie maybe six or seven times, and it is the... I mean, it is the quintessential Josh won't really enjoy this movie, but he'll appreciate it, except I enjoy the crap out of it, and I don't really know why, but it's so much fun for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense, but I love it. And 
the reason Eggers makes it to four, the reason I put him over Gerwig is because the amount of excitement that I feel about Eggers as a filmmaker, his career, the stuff that he's making is astronomical. Like he has a Christopher Nolan element for me subjectively of whatever he makes, I am over the moon excited about it. Can't wait okay. to go see it. Um, it like he's he's working on several different projects right now. He's working on a Nosferatu remake, which I am so yeah. excited for. Um, he's working on a movie called The Northman, which I am oh, super excited for. That looks so good. That's going to be amazing. So good. I think but Willem I will Dafoe say, is in that one. Yeah. I will say, though, that uh, Robert Eggers has a little bit more... Um, he has a little bit less room for error. Like, if Northman comes out and it stinks, I, he may not be in my top five. Because I think to be like on this list, you have to be consistently making phenomenal movies. Um, so there, there is a subjective element of putting Eggers where he's at. Because... Um, you know, The Witch was not necessarily super enjoyable. I think it was a very good movie, uh, probably one of the better yeah. horror films recently made. Um, and then The Lighthouse was just phenomenal. And so those two together, and there's probably a little bit of potential put in there as well of like, he's already made these two, you know, what can he do moving forward? And I think where Greta Gerwig is in that like same spot where she's made two as well, and they're phenomenal. Um, the thing with Greta Gerwig is I don't know how much better she can get. She's already made two perfect movies. Like she just <laughs> has to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas Robert Eggers, I feel like can even get better. Um, and and I don't know necessarily what that looks like. Uh, but I'm he. There's a subjective element with him of I really appreciate what he does. I love the movies that he makes, and I love his approach and his use of language and his scripts are really interesting um oh, yeah. the stories that he chooses to tell are really 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 cool yeah the attention to detail that he puts into building his world i think is really interesting especially with the lighthouse like the yeah. the the time and location you know applicable dialect that he uses or that the actors use um is just like it really pulls you in. It like really makes you feel like, you know, that story is like popping off the screen, you know? I right. think The Lighthouse, I think you're right. I think it's one of the better one of the better movies I've seen recently, one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I can't say the same about The Witch. I like The Witch a lot. I think that Robert Eggers improved a lot between The Witch and The Lighthouse. And yes. so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does, especially with The Northman. Um, just cuz the cast looks amazing in that and that kind of like grungy, like I just picture it like a black and white, like one to one film, kind of like the lighthouses, you know, and that's oh, really yeah. exciting. Yeah. So I'm on I'm on board with you for Robert Eggers. My number four pick, I'm gonna give it to Barry Jenkins. Ooh. Um. I I love so in the same vein of Robert Eggers and Greta Gerwig, Barry Jenkins has directed two feature films. Um, his first of which being Moonlight won Best Picture at the Academy yeah. Awards. Um, Moonlight is a heartbreaking film that um, I've seen a few times now, and it just crushes me every time. It is so well 
made and the performances especially from some of the younger actors are so good and i think a lot of that has to do with barry jenkins direct directorial style um and then his second film um if beale street could talk is just as poignant and um he even leans a little bit more towards the poetic nature of the story he's trying to tell if beale street could talk is a little less plot driven um a little more um visually focused um in like bringing the world to life that he's representing um Mm. but his movies are just beautiful like yeah if if you came up to me and told me like there's a filmmaker out there who has made two of the most like beautifully photographed films you've ever seen yeah and he's only made two movies and there is that much heart in these movies, I'd be like, that director doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But Barry Jenkins manages to do something really amazing with his films. And I'm really excited to see what he does next. In my book, again, he has two perfect movies. The only reason he's so low on this list, if you can call the four spot on this list low, is that he only has two films. Um, yeah. If he had three or four and they were all, you know, to the moon and back good, then he would be higher. Um, yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to do. I also love just listening to Barry Jenkins talk because I don't know if you've seen any of the like criterion, like closet interviews with him, but he is he is just such an interesting guy. Really? And yeah. And he. he just like the way he presents himself is just like lovely. And I just, I just love like watching him, watching him speak about film, his experiences with different, different movies, like growing up and how those influenced his films that he's made. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he, he claims my number four spot. He's a good one. At least, you know, he's got hardware to back up his, uh, his movies. I think Bill Street was nominated for Best Picture. It didn't win. No, it actually was not. For some reason, the Academy didn't even look at it. Like what? It was yeah. It was it was Moonlight won, and then like two years later, three years maybe, he came out with Bill Street. But the Academy didn't do anything for it. It wasn't on like any of the shortlists or anything. So I don't know if they like forgot about it or what. Um, That's so but, weird. Yeah, it was really sad. I was like, "What? where's the love for Beale Street? Did it get any, like, Golden Globe buzz or anything like that? It might have got a little bit. It might have been one of those, like, early in the year releases where people saw it and, like, maybe it wasn't as well-received or as well-hyped as it should have been. And yeah. then it just kind of went under the radar, you know, for award stuff. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Barry Jenkins, he is a... He's a home run pick. He is very new. Uh, yeah. His Moonlight was 2016? 16? Yeah, 16, yeah. And, and then you know, Beale Street's 2018, I think. Yeah, he is very recent on the scene. And he came out of nowhere. Absolutely nowhere with Moonlight. Um, totally. There was no, no major buzz about it until award season. And it swept that came out the same year as La La Land, right? Yes, because there was that whole like dramatic thing with Moonlight or uh, La La Land 
you know, they said this, this they said the wrong name for the best picture or whatever, and then Moonlight yeah. ended up winning. Yeah. Yeah, that was classic, funny. classic Hollywood drama, you know, all that stuff. Gotta love it. Speaking of La La Land, Grayson's number four is Damien Chazelle. Oh, how did I know? I just had like an intuitive like sense that it was gonna be Damien Chazelle next. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I will not dunk on this pick. Damien Chazelle is a great director. I love um, Damien Chazelle. Yeah. Uh, First Man, uh, La La Land, Whiplash. Three super good movies. First Man is probably lower, like the lowest of those three. If I were to like parse which of the three are the best, La La Land is one of those like quote unquote perfect movies. Yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. Whiplash is also really, really good. Um, and First Man is really good, but it, I think it suffered from, I don't know, it just was slow, I pacing, guess. Yeah, the pacing yeah. was a little weird in that one. It was still yeah. really good. I just, it wasn't as entertaining as it could have been. Yes. Yeah. Chazelle is very interesting. He's very musical. Um, and I like his movies a lot, a lot. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. He's, he's one of those filmmakers that I feel like always hovers around in this kind of conversation where, yeah, yep. Everybody knows he's really good. Um, he's really young, too, yeah, for a director with like, his kind of acclaim. Yeah, he's got to be like young, young 30s, low yeah, 30s. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's 30s. Um, yeah. I've actually seen his, his student thesis film called um, Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. Mm. Not so good. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. he's improved. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like the, the improvement was massive between that and Whiplash because he made he made Guy and Madeline and then he made the Whiplash short film as like Correct. a like a con- conceptual piece for the feature. And the feature was is great. Um, I think I would have Chazelle on this list, too. I think he's probably an honorable mention. He's like right off like right off the chart like right there um yeah. and i think it's just i've only seen whiplash one time and it was years ago and i really love it i just i haven't had the need to go back and watch it you know what i mean yeah like la la land i've seen three four five times maybe and i love that film that's like such a good movie Whiplash is great too. It just doesn't have the same appeal to me to go back and rewatch it. Same thing with First Man. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why he falls off the list for me. But still, I think that's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. Whiplash is Whiplash is why Chazelle is on that list for Grayson. That's his. I think it's probably his favorite movie. Um, oh wow. Okay. And I I do love that movie a lot. It does. It's probably not incredibly re- rewatchable. But it's not because it's not good. It's because J.K. Simmons is amazing as a villain. Like, yeah, he is really tough to watch. The other thing about that movie that's really fascinating is that they wrapped up the entire third act in one scene, and it blew my mind. Yes, that end scene is so cathartic. 
Yes. And horrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so stressful. Like, yeah. I remember, I have a vivid memory of watching that scene and literally like sitting on the edge of my seat, like about to pee my pants, like <laughs> wondering what's going to happen because it is so enthralling at the end of that movie. And I think it's maybe the rest of the film. Like, that's maybe why I don't go back and rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch it at some point. But... I, I feel like it's such a it's a it's a strong buildup. It's a slow buildup, but it doesn't have that like, oh, I want to see that again, like right away sort of thing. For right. Me. Um, it sort of has uncut gems with catharsis at the end of it a little. Yeah, bit. because there's there are several moments where you feel like the main character, even though you get the point across that, like he's doing everything he can to be the best at what he does. Right. That like obsessive behavior isn't as relatable as it is in something like La La Land. You know what I mean? Right. La La, right. La Land does that way better, um, and I think it's a better film for that. Yeah. Yeah. So number four for Grayson, Damien Chazelle. Go ahead and give me your number three. <sighs> so I'm I'm jumbling around a couple names in my head, trying to place what I think would be my. Th- Number three pick. I think I'm going to go with David Lowry. Mm, for my I number knew three he pick. was going to be on here somewhere. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, David Lowry is definitely the, the director that I've fe- fallen in love with most recently. Um, he... His films, like, touch me really deeply. Mm. Um, A Ghost Story especially. It's just one of those movies where you can tell that every single frame of that film is heartfelt and painted with love by the Mm -hmm. filmmaker. Yeah. And another way you can look at it is after David Lowry made Pete's Dragon with Disney, he financed A Ghost Story on his own based off of the paycheck he received from Pete's dragon. Yeah. And a ghost story is, I think it was made for like a hundred grand. Maybe that's probably pushing it, but like just that he can make such a beautiful, awe inspiring movie out of something. I mean, that's not cheap obviously, but in the realm of film, it's cheap. Right is just inspiring to me. Like I love watching that movie and being like, these simple frames are so gorgeous. The performances are beautiful. The music is haunting. The concept Mm -hmm. is wise and intelligent and like, you know, theoretically speaking, um, uh, like, pervasive in a way like I I think that he really touched something deep within me in the way that the film portrays uh, reality and time and how people move through it and like what gets left behind after people come and go Um, and that's just the ghost story the green knight to be um, you know relevant (laughs) is fantastic and i'm dying to watch it again um 
beautiful colored cinematography, great performance from Dev Patel. I I'm a sucker for fantasy, so there you go. Yeah. Um, David Lowry making a fantasy film is right up my alley. Um, I like the dark brooding tone. One hundred percent. Yeah. Old Man and the Gun, great film. Um, Ain't Them Bodies Saints, great film. Pete's Dragon, great film. Even though I think some people turn their nose up at Pete's Dragon, I think it's <laughs> sweet. Okay, I think it is a very classic tale told in an interesting way that's very David Lowry. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's all his movies. It's the, it's the classic studio film, um, and it's got it's it's like quirky almost. I don't know how better to say it. Uh, you could tell it's like he's paying his dues so that he can do other things, and yet yeah, he still yeah. gives it some of that like that special attention that he has given his other movies. Um, I, I you know it's nothing crazy to me. It's it's fine, but Pete's Dragon is a Disney movie, so I think honestly all of them have a, a little bit of a ceiling in terms of what you can do with them. But um, yeah, I I definitely don't hate David Lowry there, and I think he's really good. Um, you know, my thing with him is I probably and I don't enjoy his movies as much as some other ones. I think he makes phenomenal movies. Um, he's a great world builder, which oh, yeah. is something that kind of gets looked over a little bit. He's a phenomenal, um, he's a great storyteller. Uh, totally. But his stories are not necessarily always made to be just enjoyed. Like there's more to them than that. They're super layered. Yeah. And that's how I feel about a ghost story. I I can really enjoy that movie, but the ridiculously long takes where like not much is happening. Yeah. It's not, it's not a movie that you observe. It's almost more like a movie that observes you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it captures the, it captures the subtle beauty in the smallest of things that, you know, happens on earth, you know? And I think that if, if film, film is like, the transcendental art form like it has a way of capturing reality but also fantasy in the most honest way um because film in in on a serious note is a lot of other art forms kind of smashed into one like epic conglomeration you know like yeah and i think david lowry in in a very tarkovsky-esque manner Tarkovsky would be on this list if it wasn't for, you know, living directors that are still making movies. <laughs> right. <Rip>. Tarkovsky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I would say David Lowry is the closest thing to um, a, t- a modern Tarkovsky in the way that he tells his stories in such a slow, methodical, and introspective manner. And yeah. I love that about him. Yeah, he definitely, definitely does that. My number three is very different. Um, All right. And it's somebody that I've come to recently, and I absolutely love him, and it is Wes Anderson. Okay. I, okay. I, I figured that Wes Anderson would pop up on this list somewhere. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I had not watched any Wes Anderson movies until about a month ago 
which what are you doing i know <laughs> it's one of those things where you don't know how it happens like i hadn't seen pulp fiction until about a month ago either and it yeah. i i don't know how it happens it just did and here we are but i have uh, i have gotten really into wes anderson films recently i've watched i think i've seen 3 oh in wow the past so you month you sped through those. Yeah, I watched. Man. I started with Grand Budapest Hotel, and I got hooked. And nice. it's his. It's his way of making them. It's his style, the color. It's he is a lot of things that I enjoy in movies. He has snappy dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. He's got very beautiful colors and cinematography in his films. He's got character. He does this probably more than any other director I've ever seen. He will have such lighthearted tones while having some of the most depressing material <laughs> in his it's movies. Very dark comedy, yeah. It's so dark. But, you know, I was watching Fantastic Mr. Fox last night. And that movie is just like a, I don't, it just goofy and like, just a fun watch, I guess. Um, I don't know. It, it's all of the movies are are somewhat like that. They're all enjoyable. Yeah. They're fun. They appear to not be super deep, but they are incredibly deep. Um, yeah. But there's moments of, I mean, they just tear you up emotionally, and it happens in each of his movies where there's something kind of subverted with your emotions watching him. Um, and so, you know, he gets knocked, I think, for some of the style over substance arguments. I think some people think that he's so sty stylistic, so so much of an auteur, that he's just kind of like off in his own category, way out in left field doing his own thing. But I think yeah. his own thing is some of the best that we're seeing right now. And he flies under the radar. He uses like the same actors over and over again. His stories have a style that is distinct and um, it gets maybe repetitive for, for some, but you know, like French Dispatch is coming out. I'm Premier stoked for can, that. Right? It's, it's yeah. already technically out, but it's not out in American theaters yet. Yeah, um, yep. it can. It, yeah, it's black and white, which is mind boggling to me. Or at least and it's, color. Oh, it's both. Yeah, it's like apparently it's like several small like short films kind of put yeah. into one like grander story, you know. So he uses different formats of film or you know shooting material to tell each to separate story. them. So there's black and white. There's color. There's different aspect ratios. Kind of like in Grand Budapest. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I had seen like some promotional material for it. And I'd seen that it was just like Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan in black and white. And I was like, wow, yeah. how's he going to do a black and white movie? Cause his thing is color. I mean, it is vibrant. It yeah. is like sunsets everywhere. Um, I don't know. Matte I, paintings, <laughs> matte paintings. Honestly, that's yeah. what his films look like. They all look like matte yeah. paintings. Yeah. Uh, and he's able to, he's, he's done it in more than just like one, um style too because he's done stop motion twice 
and he's done live action film and he's done like I don't know it it feels like Wes Anderson could make a movie with Legos and it would still be a Wes Anderson film oh that's great <laughs> you know he he yeah. is so unique to himself and he tells stories in his unique way uh you know you there are parts of it that people laugh at with the titles um you know the the symmetry that i think is so typical of his movies but yep. there's just a lot of individual pieces that kind of come together and make this puzzle of really really good filmmaker and he lives and breathes movies like you he's sort of like daniel day lewis in that you never hear him talking about he's not an icon he's not a celebrity he's just a filmmaker uh similar to how daniel day lewis was always just an actor and he was a really damn good one but he was yeah. not a celebrity he was not a hollywood a-lister even though he's the best actor of the whole bunch um and anderson feels like that not to say he's the best director of the whole bunch but he he just feels like a, a movie maker a storyteller he's not really a a yeah. hollywood guy he just kind of is out doing his own thing um and it just so happens to be a nice perk that he's done well enough that famous people will be in his movies yeah plus mm. it helps to know owen wilson wow <laughs> <laughs> I love Owen Wilson, dude. And yeah. Wes Anderson is great. I think he his his style doesn't always mesh with me. Um, but I I see his I see why you love his films so much. Um and so recently too. I think Grand Budapest is my favorite from him. Yeah. Um and I own a copy of Rushmore on DVD and I haven't watched it yet for whatever insane reason. <laughs> but um I'll get around to that soon while you're on your your Anderson kick. Um yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just a recency bias thing. I don't know. Um No, I think he's I think he's very talented. I love, you know, certain aspects of his style. Um he's very good at at taking um like old film material and making it new somehow. Yeah, like there's a scene in Grand Budapest, and I think I saw this on some YouTube essayist video, but he directly rips a scene from Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I think it was from Vertigo, one of one of those one of those films. Um, it's the scene where Jeff Goldblum is getting chased by Willem Dafoe, and he gets his fingers slammed in the door at the last yeah. second. Yeah, a lot of elements of that scene are directly derived from one of alfred hitchcock's it. films um even some of the, like the camera moves and the framing and things like that so i think he's he's a he's a well-learned filmmaker and i think it shows through his work yeah for sure uh grayson's number three is christopher nolan okay yeah oh man i'm kind of mad at him that he's got christopher nolan at number three I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I don't have Christopher Nolan on my list. I don't think. And well, I know damn. that I know that's gonna scare you a bit. I love Christopher Nolan. I just think, I think his some of his movies don't really mesh with me, and he does kind of the same thing over and over again. Not that that's a bad yeah. thing. I love his films. 
and I love Dunkirk, I think is a masterpiece. And yep. Inception is great. And Tenet, I really love. And The Prestige is a masterpiece too, probably. But he doesn't, it doesn't work on the same level for me as some of these other filmmakers do. Not on yeah. an emotional level, at least. Yeah, he is a plot-driven um, blockbuster filmmaker. Uh, I think for him, the reason... You know, he's done several different types of movies. Even He does kind of do all the same. There's elements that tra- that translate from film to film. Um, he's, he's always non-linear in some, some kind of fashion. Um, his scores are always huge. Um, the action is always incredibly fast-paced, especially within the past probably, you know, seven years or so, probably since Prestige, I would say. He's incredibly fast-paced plots that are easily digestible until you yeah. get to Tenet. And yeah. I guess you could say Inception's not really digestible. He, he, he deals with subject matter that is at times confusing, um, and in some cases, overly confusing. But he is, and, and probably the reason why I love him so much, and probably the reason why he's on Grayson's list as well as mine, is that he's incapable of making a bad movie. And yeah, I don't that's know true. how much I don't know how much you should uh, boost somebody for that. Like, think of it this way. If Tenet was the worst movie you've ever made, which I think some people think is Chris Nolan's worst movie, if that was the worst movie you'd ever made, how good yep. are you? Like Tenet is Pretty a really good. good movie. Um, yeah. I would say probably Memento is his worst just because it's slow. Okay. And it, like he's not fleshed out yet as a filmmaker. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that Memento is bad. Memento is... No studied by film junkies the world over um there's elements of brilliance in all of his movies he's not always consistently brilliant from start to finish there's moments there's little things of like you know with Tenet it was the dialogue is unintelligible the score is too loud but if that was adjusted and probably if the plot was a little bit clearer a little bit simpler to understand that movie is a masterpiece too Dunkirk I agree it's it's I mean, that's untouchable. That movie is unbelievable. And you can tell that's one of, you know, you're talking about David Lowry making movies with love. That's what Dunkirk feels yeah. like for Nolan. Like you could, you feel like totally. he's, he's telling his family's story kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a little bit of country pride there too, but Chris Nolan yeah. at three for Grayson. And, you know, I, I've got him higher. I'm just going to spoil that. I assumed as much. All righty. My number two would have to be Paul Thomas Anderson. I saw that coming. Yeah. No surprises there. Um, I, I think There Will Be Blood is a perfect movie. I think Phantom Thread is a perfect movie. Um, that one might be controversial to say that Phantom Thread's a perfect movie because that movie oh, is I, freaking weird. I love weird. Phantom Thread. I loved Phantom Thread. I thought, honestly, that's probably my favorite PTA film. Really? Yeah. I, I love like, how weird it is. It's so I love odd, the cinematography. Dude. Yeah. Oh. And it's a I mood. Think it is a mood. Yeah, you're and right. The, it's very the piano, strange. the piano in that movie is so nice and relaxing. Yeah. 
I think yeah, that movie wants you to think it's just a relaxing period piece until the end when you're like, what the crap? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. That, I mean, yeah, that movie is strange. And oddly enough, I've only seen it once, but I've been dying to watch it again. I just, I need to get a copy of it on Blu-ray or something. Yeah, it's it's really good. Boogie Nights as well is really good. Um, Boogie. Boogie. I'm trying to think of what else he's done. <laughs> he's definitely done a couple more, and I am blanking um, on him. Punch Drunk Love. Seen That's that right. one. That one's that one's pretty good. I like Adam Sandler in that one a lot. That's like the only movie where I've liked Adam Sandler, other than Uncut Gems. <laughs> or like Happy G- Freaking Gilmore or something like that. Yeah, other than like a super duper goofy something or other. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's random. He did The Master as well and Magnolia. Um and you know, I've Vice. Tried, I've tried to watch The Master a few times now, and I like don't get like thirty minutes into it every time for other for some reason. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. I just can't I can't seem to you know, get into the story. So I enjoy it. I don't, I don't think it's my favorite of his to be totally honest. Um, it's good, I guess. I I don't know. Inherent vice is sort of the same for me where, um, I think it's personal taste more than it is the movie itself. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. PTA style He's he's not he's not one of those style guys. Um his movies are all kind of different from one another. I do know one thing though. The acting in his films is always top notch and I don't know whether it's that he brings in the best actors or it's his direction. Yeah. I it's so consistent though that I have to think his direction has something to do with it. Um I'm sure the, it's the combination of performance and script that's in his movies that's just unreal. I think knowing that I'm going into a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I know I'm going to see incredible acting. And I don't know exactly what to chalk that up to other than I know it's going to be really good. The script is always really good. Um, and he switches a lot. I think he probably is a great period director. Uh, similar to Robert Eggers, in, but different. Um, Eggers kind of throws you into that period and, and you know, you don't have like the typical road signs to lead you where to go. Like you're just thrown into it and you just kind of figure it out. Um, PTA doesn't quite do that. Or maybe it's that he doesn't pick eras that are difficult to understand, but um, they're not, there's not a learning curve with his movies. But... They're, they feel like vignettes of a different time. Um, and they sort of deal with the, I guess, some, some studies of human nature and um, kind of like the seedy under, underworld of humanity without it being like gross or gratuitous. It's, it's yeah. a study in humanity, I think, probably more times than not with his films. Yeah, I think you're right. I think his his films are very they're like observant in a very theatrical way. Yeah. Um I think 
uh, I've only seen, let's see, I've seen Punch Drunk Love, um, There Will Be Blood, and Phantom Thread. Um, I really like all three of those. I, I would say Phantom Thread is my favorite, just because I think it's the most visually interesting out of the three. It's very visually pleasing. But you're right. I think the I think especially working with Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel yeah. Day Lewis is getting some shout outs in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I I mean um, he's one of the best actors to ever live. He is yeah, unbelievable. I think he I think when him and PTA are working together, they make something very atmospheric. Yeah. They make something pretty chilling. Like um in both There Will Be Blood and Phantom, Phantom Thread, I just remember those movies being so um, enchanting. Uh, yeah. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, the the writing. I think mm-hmm. PTA's scripts are, like, super eclectic. I also think that, I think you're right, I think he's a very good performance director. Yeah. Um, in the sense that he really builds these, like, really... Um, problematic characters, but he yes. makes them so he makes them so entertaining and so like um, understandable that you're almost like on their side or like okay with some of like the weird morals that they portray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, he's great I, at I creating antiheroes. Yeah, and I think that's an effect of a really great filmmaker that they yes. can that someone can literally cause you to think like I don't know what like I don't know what I think about that guy like but I don't know there's something there's something about him I'm like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool you know uh yeah I just think he's a really effective storyteller and every movie he makes I mean I'm I don't know if he's coming out with something soon or what but I'd be interested to see what that is. He has a movie coming out. I just saw it. Where is it? Soggy Bottom in 2021. Excuse me? <laughs> Soggy Bottom. He's, <laughs> so he's got a film starring Bradley Cooper, Cooper Hoffman, uh, Alana Haim, Skylar Gisondo, and Benny Safdie. And it's coming out. Oh, Benny's hefty, no way. Yeah, it's coming out November 26th, and it's called Soggy Bottom. Okay. So Interesting. I don't know much about it other than there's a picture of Bradley Cooper in what looks to be a 70s rocker costume with blood on his neck. Okay, that sounds very PTA to me. Yep, 100%. So I, I don't know. I'm sure you know, it'll be ph- phenomenal. PTA started making movies when he was like super young. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure when he made Boogie Nights, he was like 25. Yep. And like from what I've seen of Boogie Nights, I don't know how you are 25 and you make Boogie Nights. <laughs> like it is like who has <laughs> who has like the confidence like on set to be like okay. We're we're, we're doing this this scene from Boogie Nights, <laughs> yeah. and you're 25. <laughs> he made something in 1988 called the Dirk Diggler story. Did you ever have you heard of this? Uh, no. So, P- 
PTA made a mockumentary of a male porn star called Dirk Diggler. And it went nuts. And PTA made this when he's like 23. So I guess in 1988, he would have been 23. Let's, I should probably actually figure out when he was born because he's 51. He made that Dirk Diggler thing when he was 18. He was born in 1970. Man, he's got some guts. So he would have been early 30s when Boogie Nights came out. Yeah. Crazy. No, he'd have been 20, 28. 28 years old making Boogie <laughs> yeah. Nights. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, PTA number two for me. Uh, for Grayson, his number two is Steven Spielberg. Okay. A bit of an obvious choice, but yeah, that's all right. I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about that. Like, yeah, it's Steven Spielberg, you know, it's Steven the, Spielberg, you know, one of the, one of the greatest all around filmmakers of, I wouldn't necessarily, even though he is still making films and He's more of a I'm producer totally, now, I feel like. He does do a lot of producing now. I would too although if I'm I had gonna contradict million myself, Although, <laughs> although <laughs> I'm going to contradict myself in the future here with my, I think with my number one pick. He's pretty old. And <laughs> I feel are like... We, are we knocking I, him because he's old? I, I feel like he his recent movies have just been a little out of touch. Okay. I will 100%. Okay. The thing with Spielberg is he's made some of the most legendary movies ever, ever, bar none, not even close. But within the last like 15 years, maybe, I don't, I can't think of a good movie he's made. He has made some clunkers and he's kind of going on like a little bit of a George Lucas kick, I think. Yeah. You know, George, you made good movies in the 70s. Um, but the prequel trilogy, eh, <laughs> you know, not good. like not good, not good, not as good. I I still think they have their place and they're they're fun. But yeah, same thing with Steven. Like I, I he is one of the most renowned household named filmmakers ever. You know, yeah, and you can't you can't knock him for that. As far as like modern directors. I don't know. Yeah, I... Let's put it this way. Within the last... If you took Greta Gerwig's career the last 15 years and Steven Spielberg's the last 15 years, Greta Gerwig has made two movies that Spielberg can't touch in the last 15 years. Um, But Spielberg has made absolutely legendary movies like E.T., Jurassic Park, um, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, those are... Those are some of the best movies ever made, and and he's and he's made so many movies. His like, if you look up his IMDb credits, it's a mile long. Um, yeah, he's incredibly involved in the film industry, and he's got a ton of credits to his name. Totally. But recently, he has not been amazing. But I think he certainly gets credit for being one of those legendary guys and te- he is still working so like by yeah. by technicality yes but compared to the recent careers of 
of some of these other filmmakers, I prefer um, the recent work of a lot of these other guys more. If like Spielberg has almost yeah. two careers, like if you could take his first career and if he just stopped, he's like Hitchcock. Um, he's yeah. legendary. And if he would have just not made some of these stupid movies like BFG and The Post and like some of the stuff he's done recently, that's just meh, whatever. Yeah. I would, I would say like Saving Private Ryan was like his last really good movie. Yeah. Um, and that came out in 1998, I think. Somewhere around there, yeah. It came out the same year but, I was born, and I'm 23. But at the same time, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, The Last Crusade. Uh, what else does this man have? E.T., Jurassic Park. E.T., Jurassic Park. I mean, some heavy hitters, man. Like, Yeah, some absolutely I mean, legendary movies. Yeah. So I think I'm actually going to um, edit my final pick, and I'm actually going, not my final, my, my number one pick. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, because I still have to tell you my number two. Okay. But um, so I'm actually going to split it. It's going to be a tie, okay? Oh, dear. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, so my number two is Danny Boyle. Really? Yeah. Your do number you know two Danny is Danny. Is? I do, but like Danny Boyle? Danny freaking Boyle. <laughs> I can't um, even really think of a movie he's done, which is probably bad on my part more than anything. All right. Catch this. 127 hours. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. And many others. He did Steve but Jobs. I love that movie. He did Steve Jobs. I like that one. Um, he also did a film recently called Yesterday. That was yep. fine. It was fun. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the top three, which are Something Like Millionaire, 127 Hours, and Sunshine. Sunshine being my ultimate favorite science fiction movie. Really? Yes. That movie, the first time I watched it, I was quivering because of how much I loved it. Really? It was amazing. The music is fantastic. I love Danny Boyle's um, erratic um, directing style. The way yeah. he moves the camera is so fast and so entertaining. And it just, um, there's so much energy in his, in his films. Oh, I thought of another one, Train Spotting. Yep. Um his movies are just so fun to watch. And Sunshine is like the perfect example of this. It is intense, it's dramatic and emotionally satisfying. It has a heady screenplay written by Alex Garland. Also, mm. the, that's the guy who wrote and directed Ex Machina and yeah, also and Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah, I, I love both of those movies, but Sunshine is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yeah. he his moving on to 127 hours, um, excellent performance from Franco. 
Um, it's one of my favorite. It's my favorite survival film. Hmm. Um, and what he does, Dan, what Danny Boyle does with the camera in such a confined location is genius. Hmm. Um, and then Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. It's just a great like modern adventure film. Yep. Um, and it's got its quirks. But I, I I love the cinematography style. I love the editing. That sequence with the song Paper Planes with the the boys hopping along the top of the train. Freaking yeah. rad, dude. I love that yeah. scene. Um, I would say his his style of cinema is very influential for me. Yeah. Um I just like I just like every movie that I've seen him make. I, I I've liked so it's and he's got three like really heavy hitters that have just like seared themselves into my brain forever um yeah Danny Boyle number two Danny Boyle that one is incredibly surprising I, don't I know, know. Could tell. I, yeah I I was excited because I had been sitting on that I That's I kind of moved him around the list and I was like I think he deserves a number two spot so who's your tied number one then? Okay. So my number one spot currently is tied between Ridley Scott wow. and Ryan Johnson. Can we please just agree it's Ryan Johnson and Ridley Scott made <laughs> Exodus Gods and Kings, which might be the worst movie ever made. Uh, okay, that's why <laughs> Ridley Scott has made some poop movies okay <laughs> some awful movies <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to take that away however he has also made alien yeah blade runner yeah kingdom of heaven yeah gladiator yeah like some <laughs> of my favorite movies yeah. kingdom of heaven especially and i feel like he um, he's kind of like Spielberg in that he hasn't made a great movie in a while. I'm but, really excited for The Last Duel. Yes, I was about to say, The Last Duel looks, at least from the trailer, like it's going to be amazing. And it looks yeah. like vintage Ridley Scott. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about it. Ridley Scott is like 80-something years old. Like, he's an old <laughs> he fart. He's old. He's old. And he is... I think he's, I think he's Scottish. I'm pretty sure he's Scottish. Because yeah. he is just... He is just mean. Like he is just one of those <laughs> classic directors yeah. that you're like, that guy like is hard, you know. Like yeah. he is just he has really he's made some of the most iconic movies that I can think of. And his footprint in the world of cinema is just so massive. Yeah. Um with amazing movies like uh, Blade Runner 2049 coming off of hit what he started, the other Alien films, um, even like and Sword he, and Sandal he, epics. And he came back and yeah. did Alien Covenant, which was awesome. It was very good, yep. Um, didn't, I don't like Prometheus. Yeah, I didn't um, love that one I think it's kind of I think it's kind of lame compared yeah. to the other Alien films. Yeah. But he has made some clunkers, and that's why he's going to be sharing this position with Ryan Johnson. And he made Exodus Gods and Kings, which is just a cardinal sin. 
Uh, <laughs> it's like the scarlet letter of movies. Yeah. It's just bad. Like there's there's no redeemable factor. No. Um, yeah. If you if you make a movie set in Egypt and Egypt doesn't even want to like show it in their country, yeah. it's a bad you know you made a bad movie. Um, when every single person is a white British person, that's probably your first clue yeah. that eh, maybe it's not going to be great. Yeah, it's like, what the heck, dude? Come on, Ridley. Like, <laughs> I know you're an old guy, but come on. <laughs> um, okay, so Ryan Johnson. Um, he is my favorite up-and-coming filmmaker, I think. Yeah. Um, he has made some of my favorite recent films like um Knives Out. Yep. That was and phenomenal. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um and his first film Brick is excellent. And his um second film Looper is also very good. Yeah. Um I just am excited for whatever Ryan Johnson makes in the future. I think he is incredibly talented uh talented in the i almost said talented i don't even know what that would be <laughs> he's talented <laughs> he's talented um yeah. i'm talented <laughs> with words <laughs> but um yeah i think i'm i'm super stoked for knives out too i really wish he was still making more star wars films i'm a sucker for star wars and the last jedi um was my favorite of all of the recent films that came out. Um, yeah. And I know people have issues with that movie as far as in within the franchise of Star Wars, but I think that his writing in that movie is so good um, and his directing style is artful yet energetic and fun. And he's the most, he's the most approachable out of all of the directors that I think I've mentioned so far. Yes. Like, Anybody, and I mean anybody, can watch Knives Out and have a good time. And yeah. I think that is, that's like almost a missing feature in a lot of our tour directors, you know? Yes. Um, he just makes really entertaining films that are also very fun to dive into yep. and look at all the little details and be like, wow, how did he think of that? Like his storytelling is just ingenious. And I think that's why he shares the top seat with Ridley Scott for me. I definitely think he's a good director, a solid director. Um, I, I think I probably want more of Knives Out for him to, to like land on my list. I think Knives Out is f like absolutely amazing. The Last Jedi, I probably knock it too much for the surrounding star wars movies because that whole yeah. trip like if you put the whole trilogy together it's hot trash um <laughs> and so it's it's difficult to you know separate one movie from the rest of them and yeah. i kind of hated the whole like horse racing thing that he put in last jedi but it's like goofy if you star wars man it's goofy i know i yeah it's star wars anyway <laughs> um number one for Grayson, uh, I'm, and this is... I'm excited. This is no surprise at all if you've listened to the podcast before. In fact, he's already said this many times. Yeah, but his number I know one who is, it's going to be. It's Denis Villeneuve. What? Um, no, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not surprised at all. He he loves Prisoners. Um, he loves Arrival. Um, yep. 
Denis Villeneuve is really good. What was surprising for me, honestly, was that when I was putting together my top five, Denis Villeneuve didn't make the cut. Because I do think Denis Villeneuve is amazing. Amazing. I really love him, too. I, he, he was, he's definitely on my honorable mentions. Him, Christopher Nolan, um, and a few others probably are, are right there, like right at the cusp of being on my list. I think the reason why he doesn't, he isn't on my list is because I don't emotionally connect with his movies mm. as much as these other ones. Like his films are phenomenally made. Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario. I haven't seen Prisoners, but I hear it's great. Oh, dude. Um, it, and, it like rings you out like a wet rag with your emotions. It is yeah. awful to your emotions. Well, maybe if maybe I'll watch that and he'll, it'll boost him onto my list. But yeah, I, I love Denis. I'm super stoked for Dune. That movie is going to kick booty. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, it will. And yeah, he's a he's a fantastic director. I, I think he is definitely one of the better directors working at the moment. Um, yeah, there's just some some emotional dissonance for me, and I think that's why he isn't on mine. But yeah, what about you? Mine is Christopher Nolan. Number one. Yeah, he's number one for me. All right. I it's some of this is subjectivity, like Eggers being on my list, Wes Anderson being on my list. Um, you know, there's a lot of great filmmakers, and Nolan being. Nolan being on a top five list, I don't think is surprising. I think probably him being number one, maybe a little bit. Some of it's subjective, but I enjoy his movies so much. Um, yeah, and they have rewatchability to no end. Um, the That's Dark true. Knight, Interstellar, Inception, Dunkirk, uh, The Prestige is amazing. Um, yeah. So he he makes he's got like a he hits a bar every time that he releases a movie and the bar is always pretty high. Like if you were to set his bar at a rotten tomatoes rating, it's like an 89, 90%. Like his, his floor, every film is that. And even when he tried to do a studio film, he took a movie, um, for Warner brothers in 2005 called crap i can't remember the name of it it's got al pacino insomnia insomnia that's right and even that movie was really good it's the only film he's ever made that you're like this is not a christopher nolan movie but it shows his versatility um he tends to kind of make movies that kind of get in one pocket and they have a feel to him that is very much his own. Um, but the fact that he's made Memento and Insomnia, I think further boosts um, his other films for me because I know he can do more than just the one thing he does. And I do wish he would break out a little bit and try more of the Dunkirk-esque things. I think Dunkirk for him, like that movie puts him over the top because I know he can do the blockbuster, yeah. but he can also do the auteur film um and he can do them incredibly well i think he could make a movie in just about any genre and it would be awesome which is maybe it's just my own bias i don't know but he is really good to me 
I yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Um putting Chris Nolan at the top of your list. Yeah. I think I think he would be on my list, definitely an honorable mention. It's just it's just again, it's that it's that emotional dissonance that I yeah. feel. His movies don't affect me in the yeah. way that other filmmakers do. I love his approach to cinema and I love his filmmaking style. Yeah. It is endlessly rewatchable. Even though like movies like Interstellar or Inception um somewhat fall apart the more I've watched them. Um just because like you don't have that initial like shock factor of like the storytelling um twists and turns. Right. But yeah, I mean, he is definitely one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he is the most... Hmm. I just love that studios will just, like, shell him money, you know? Yeah. They'll just, yeah. like, they'll just like leave a dump truck of, like, cash outside his house and be like, yep. Hey, Chris, what you making next, bud? Yep. <laughs> you know, like... Yep. Uh, just just send us your schedule man like we'll we'll work around you <laughs> he might be you know? you know steven spielberg has made an ungodly amount of money making movies but i feel like christopher nolan might be one of the most successful filmmakers ever spielberg yeah. has made like 40 movies uh yeah. and and chris nolan has made like 11 so yeah chris nolan makes incredibly financially successful movies yeah um which is something that I think, you know, like Denis Villeneuve can't make a financially successful movie. And he's a great director. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's a skill or if it's just his style is so gravitating to the general public. Um, I, but, you know, Tenet came out during COVID and made like $400 million. And, you yeah. know, it was made... He got a $200 million budget, which is obscene, but... You know, it still made money during COVID, which is just fun. It's amazing that that even happened. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of biased, but I think he's pretty great. Oh, I, I love Chris Nolan. Um, going to see Dunkirk and IMAX. Um, Did you go see it in weekend. like 70 millimeter or whatever that the theater said? I didn't see it in. I, I saw it in IMAX, but not in the not in like the special like 70 millimeter like specific print. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, didn't you see it that way? I did. I yeah. think I saw it accidentally that way. We went to go see it <laughs> in like just normal, you know, $14 yeah. a ticket, whatever. And we accidentally bought the 70 mil and we weren't mad about it. Um, no. It was one of those things where it's like, we're not going to return the tickets. Are you kidding me? Um, no, it's yeah. just one of those like, oh, poop. Uh, we got the 70 millimeter uh, theater. Um sweet <laughs> yeah seriously dude yeah it that was movie awesome. that movie rocks like that movie um one of my favorite theater experiences for sure yeah. and if there is anything that chris nolan lives for it is making people go to the movie theater to watch his films <laughs> yes so yes chris nolan you have done it once again you made me go to the movie theater watch to watch your stupid little movie. <laughs> 100%. Um, 
because I know I'm going to get quality. I'm going to get realism. Like, yep. even though he works a lot in fantasy and science fiction, um, his adherence to practical effects is awesome. Yep. Um, and I, I wish more filmmakers would, would do that on the scale that he produces. Um, yeah. Chris Nolan, man, he's, he's good. He's a good one. So my top five to recap is Greta Gerwig, Robert Eggers, Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, no relation, and Christopher Nolan. Your top five is who? My top five was Greta Gerwig, Barry Jenkins, um, David Lowry, Danny Boyle, and a little splitteroo between (laughs) Ridley Scott and Ryan Johnson for the top spot. Grayson's was James Gunn, Damien Chazelle, Christopher Nolan, Spielberg, and Denis Villeneuve. Uh, was there any that were really surprising on any of these other two lists? Um, I think, honestly, Grayson's um, list with Spielberg on there yeah. was the most surprising. Not James Gunn. Um, oh, uh, I guess James Gunn, just because. But I can't really, I can't really knock on James Gunn all that much because I haven't seen that many of his movies. I've seen like one or two, so yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Steven Spielberg, uh, though, I can, I can make a little fun of that guy. <laughs> and yet at the same time he's a legend i don't know how, i don't know what to do yeah. with spielberg to be honest with he's you. He's, like he's, so he's like everybody's everybody's like grandpa's favorite director <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like if you I'm not gonna ask your grandpa what his favorite filmmaker was steven spielberg 100 percent i'll be honest my most surprising part of this was that richard linklater wasn't on your list oh Oh, I honestly <laughs> totally forgot about Richard Linklater. Dang it. <laughs> so is, is it safe to say he's in your honorable mentions that's got like eight I'll, people in it? <laughs> I'll give him an honorable mention. That's why this is so hard for me, bro. Like, Yeah. Um, so Richard Linklater made my one of my favorite movie trilogies ever, which is the Before trilogy. That's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset. And then before midnight, starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, three of my favorite films, and I can't believe I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> he also made Boyhood, Dazed and Confused, and a few others. Um, yeah, okay. I think the reason why he's not really on there is I kind of consider the I kind of consider like trilogies to be one film yeah because they're all kind of the same concept yeah you know what i mean like peter jackson like lord of the rings is one of my favorite movie trilogies ever if not my favorite um but like his other movies don't really do it for me and the lord of the rings i kind of see as all one film in a way yeah yeah um so yeah something like that yeah i think if I had to pick some honorable mentions, I'd be putting names like Villeneuve in there. Uh, I think Scorsese, Tarantino. Um, yeah, Tarantino, I was just thinking Scorsese of another. 
There was one other name, and I I cannot remember for the life of me right now what it was. At and the moment, I would I would put Kelly Reichart in there. Um, mm. She directed First Cow. Um, uh, um, leaves or uh, Rivers of Grass. Um, shoot, what else? Why can't I remember what it is all of a sudden? I'm also thinking of Chloe Zhao as uh, oh. did Nomadland and, um, yep. oh gosh, what is it? Songs My Brothers Taught Me? Is that the other one? Something like that, yeah. I've only seen Nomadland. It's so good. Yeah. So good. I like good. that one a lot, too. There's This is so tough. There's so many good filmmakers. I honestly, it I find it really hard to not like movies. So, yeah. like, the majority of the movies I watch, I love. Like, I just thought of another person, Alfonso Caron. I love his yes. movies. Um, Roma, um, Children of Men. Um, yeah, things like that. Uh, Alejandro G. Uh, Alejandro Inarritu. Yeah. Yeah. Birdman, Birdman, The Revenant. The Revenant. Like, honestly, there's an endless list of amazing filmmakers. Bong Joon-ho. Uh, oh my Parasite, god snowpiercer um things like yeah. that memories I need of murder to watch more of his movies yeah have you seen that one yet not yet i bought it on criterion i oh. it's it's on my imminent tbr once i can get through my wes anderson kick i'm going to watch memories of murder yeah uh i'm sure that one's great because bong joon ho is a master yeah um yeah. I, I you know I, I hate that americans don't know more about Bong or about other Korean filmmakers because the Korean yeah. film industry is incredible, but it's we poppin'. just don't we just don't know about him. You know, Bong yeah. Joon Ho, I didn't know his name until Parasite came out, and that dude's been making great movies for like 15, 20 years. Yeah, I first watched Bong when I saw Snowpiercer whenever that came out, um, but I didn't pay mu- pay him much attention until Parasite. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Bong. I love your films. <laughs> he is um, so good. It's once you yeah. put it all together, it's the Okja, Snowpiercer, Parasite, Memories of Murder. You put all those together. Um, it's like, holy crap, this dude's incredible. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, uh, going back to American cinema, Tarantino and Scorsese, they're kind of in the same vein for me. They've made yeah. some amazing movies. Um yeah, so they're close behind, you know, on the list too. Honestly, like, definitely in the top ten, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there. I mean, the list goes on, man. There's, there's not like a, there's no cap on this. No, there's this not list. <laughs> there's not. There's not. Yeah. But that was our top five uh, directors, and we've kind of said currently working in air quotes. Um, I guess to, to limit it to people, we've seen all their movies instead of some other ones we haven't. Anyway, um, that'll be all from us this week. If you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts, if you'd uh, share the podcast with your friends, if you enjoyed it, that would be amazing. Seth would give you a hug, and I would grab a beer with you. Grayson would just say, yeah! And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we I would, would give you a long distance hug because COVID. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we will see you next week. Goodbye. See ya.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Rising Action. You can follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.